Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here alongside me, my partner on the airways, as always, Sarah Jones. And we're checking in to see where in the U.S. is Sarah Jones today? Well, hello, Nino. Hello, everyone. Today, I am in Columbia, South Carolina. Very cool. There's definitely a different background. Anybody uh, who is listening to the podcast who don't watch us on YouTube, um, you'll, you won't notice that Sarah's background has changed. It's very, uh, it's very South Carolinian. <laughs> Um, If that's a word, Uh, it is. And actually, I am at the library today in, I think, a kid's room where they do some kids programs and everything. And I thought this was kind of a fun background to have. Um, And it actually, it, um, it says take you places. And I thought that was interesting, right? Considering Mm -hmm. being a full-time RVer that I am definitely going places. So, and we hope to take you places on this podcast too, right? Yeah. On your financial journey to, you know, just better money habits and, mm-hmm. and, you know, taking control of your finances and all those sorts of things. So it's definitely, we're taking you places. We're on a journey here, folks. <laughs> we are. Thanks for we are. tuning in. <laughs> well, thank you for letting us know where you're hanging out. Um, mm-hmm. Today's episode, I just kind of want to frame things up uh, a moment. We're in uh, kind of like this three-part series where we were talking about the three keys to a better plan, which was uh, kind of a continuation from um, a couple of episodes where we talked about uh, the keys to better money management. And one of the things we said is you got to have a plan. Okay, that's great. So what makes a good plan? What makes a bad plan? So the last couple of episodes, we've talked about uh, a couple of keys to a better plan. The first one being manage your money according to your pay periods. Everybody talks about a monthly budget, but we think it's really important that you're actually budgeting according to when the money's coming in and the different expenses you have in between those uh, those pay periods. So if you're paid biweekly, you know, every 14 days. The second key we talked about was prioritizing your goals and expenses. And so um, we believe that having a plan that is customized to you and your goals is important. And so we're basing it off of pay periods. We're prioritizing those goals. And if you missed any of that, I would encourage you to go back to the last couple of episodes to catch uh, up on those things. But today we want to talk about the third and final key to a better plan, and that is kicking debt to the curb in phases. Mm. In phases. Interesting concept. I thought we were supposed to just do it all at once. Well, you know, just (laughs) like let's just list it smallest to largest and pay the first, you know, the smallest one off first Mm -hmm. and move on to the next one or. Heck, maybe we'll list them from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate, and we'll just pay them off in that order. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are so many methods out there as to which way is the best way to eliminate your debt. Is it the debt snowball? Is it the debt avalanche? 
heck is it this new fangdangled cash flow index which is out there? <laughs> and while I don't want to necessarily dive into any one of those strategies today, we'll hold that off for another day. What I do want to suggest is whichever one you choose, whichever one you think is best for you, I want to talk about the different phases that you should pay off debt inside that strategy. So for today's conversation, maybe we'll reference the, the, debt, the debt snowball just because it's incredibly popular and common, but that doesn't mean we're saying that the debt snowball is the best strategy. We just want to be able to provide examples of how to pay your debt off in phases within that strategy. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that kind of what I'm hearing from you too, Nino, is that it comes back to having a plan for how you want to pay off the debt, right? It's so we talk about plans in a lot of different areas. And uh, I have found that people get kind of stopped before they get started, so to speak, because they don't have a plan. They don't really know how to do it. And we're bombarded with all of this information out there. And so I would just like to encourage everybody and to remind everybody that your debt payoff doesn't have to be crazy difficult. It doesn't have to bring you a lot of stress that, that if you put together a plan, a strategy, um, and look at the different ways that you can pay off debt and what feels good, you can build it into your budget and still live life, still reach some of those goals that you've been reaching for, still live life. Um, and you can break it down in a way that feels right for you. I just want to point that out that I think sometimes it just feels very overwhelming, right? Like I've got all of this debt. How am I going to do it? Or it's going to take me 30 years to pay my debt off. Now what? You know, no vacations for 30 years. Yeah. And that reminds me that in our last episode, when we were talking about prioritizing your expenses, we even kind of talked to some degree about debt. And, mm -hmm. and we talked about, for me and my family, I prioritize things like a family trip back east to visit family at the holidays. And we don't do that every year, but I prioritize something like that over being out of debt three or six months sooner. So debt has, debt has its place in the priorities, but you get to choose. Mm -hmm. how big of a priority is debt elimination. And so while I would encourage everybody to, to make it somewhat of a priority, I think to your point, Sarah, it doesn't have to be so rigid, so overwhelming, so you're never going to see the inside of a restaurant until you're out of it and you're never going on family vacation again until you're out of it. I think we, we have found ways to encourage people to make huge strides. I mean, I have client after client after client who on average, it takes 18 months to eliminate all of the debt, but maybe we, maybe we do it in spurts. Maybe we do it in phases <clears throat> and that's how <laughs> we get through that. And we celebrate, we celebrate uh, during that journey with things mm -hmm. like, now you get to take the family out to a nice dinner or you get to, not that you get to, but you're celebrating big financial wins um, the way that you want to. I love that. Um, 
And I'll even throw in too that, you know, when we celebrate um, clients, we're focused on kind of one area at a time, um, you know, one debt at a time when I'm working with clients. And so when that debt is taken care of, you know, we do celebrate that. Um, and I don't want to get into this because I think it can be in a whole other episode on celebrations and, <clears throat> but, um, it's important to celebrate whatever that may look like, but celebrate it and, and really look at how far you've come. Cause you know, I think, and I don't, I, this might be going down a little bit of a rabbit hole and I don't want to necessarily, but I think it's important for people when we're talking about debt payoff in phases that you need to celebrate all of these, um, accomplishments, because if you're not celebrating, then it feels like drudgery. It doesn't feel because you're, you're okay. On to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. Right. So I want people to take some time and celebrate every step, every accomplishment, every debt that you've paid off, all of it. Um, because that's important. So I don't want to go down that huge rabbit hole, but I just want to put that reminder out there that however you choose to pay off debt in your phases, one at a time, and celebrate each and every one that you get taken care of. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that and support the idea of celebrating along the way. Um, you know, you're, you're hard at work and you accomplished a goal, celebrate it. So let's transition and let's talk a little bit about these phases. Um, I want to I want to provide like a little bit of uh, backstory here. Like, where did this even come from? So I remember I started uh, financial coaching clients uh, back in 2013, and and one of one of my very first couples, we we sat down and um, we started putting everything on paper, and that actually reminds me of like. Quick side note, we as humans often drum things up in our head far worse than they actually are. And so one of the first steps of eliminating debt anyway is just putting it all down on paper. And again, whether you list it smallest to largest, whether you list it from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate, it doesn't matter the order in which you list it all out, but let's get it down on paper. And so I was doing that with this uh, this couple, and I started to realize that they had some different types of debt. And I don't just mean they had credit card debt and they had student loan debt and they had medical bills. I, I do mean that. But what I started to realize is, whoa, 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 hold on. They have some active consumer debt, credit cards, their car loan, their student loans, things that they're actively making payments on already that those accounts are in good standing. And, and so there was that, that sort of thing. Then I noticed that uh, they had recently had a child. And so they had some medical debt um, just from the recent birth of a child and the hospital visit and some of the stuff that their insurance didn't cover. And so they had this debt, uh, the, the, I guess the hospitals were maybe actively collecting on it, but medical debt is just different. It's, it doesn't accrue interest like a credit card. Um, it doesn't have an interest. It doesn't have an established fixed interest rate like a car loan. So it was a different type of, of debt. 
And then lastly, they had what I call the let sleeping dogs lie debt. It, any back owed, charged off, it's, it's a collections account that's already on your, your um, credit report. And whether somebody's calling you to try to get you to pay it or not, it's, it's just, it's old. And there's a statute of limitations to it. And, and so if I put that on the back burner and I say, hey, let sleeping dogs lie. So as I was coaching them and, and, and realizing they had some debt to eliminate, but they also had other financial goals like they wanted to save for a down payment on the house. I started to advise them that their best bet would be to separate these these different types of uh, debt into different categories and that they would focus on each one in a different phase. So phase one became the active consumer debt, credit cards, car loan, student loans. Then. And actually, with them, it was like a 1A and a 1B because 1B became the student loans. It was, let's focus on all this other active consumer debt first, and then we'll do the student loans. But then the second category became the, the medical bills. And finally, that third category and that third phase was, we'll address the charge-offs after we've gotten through these other two phases. So that's kind of the backstory of where this all originated. And that's interesting. And, you know, I definitely agree with, um, you know, the, the things that are in collections or, you know, charged off that maybe nobody's contacting you. May, you know, I really suggest most of the time when I'm working with people and have those that have those kinds of debts, like you said, you know, kind of push them back, right? We will deal with those should it come to be more present, more of a present issue. But for right now, let's focus on the things that are really affecting your day-to-day um, -day budget, your um, livelihood, right? Your emotions, your mental state. Let's focus on those first before we worry about the ones that are in collections. And and I've been sent to collections, so I know that that wears on you, but I think it's it's a different type of wearing on you emotionally. So let's work on your, your active debt, as you call it, right? Let's work on that first and deal with the other ones. Um, and I, I've noticed with clients, they are trying to do too many things at once. And I think that's where it becomes very overwhelming. Like I mentioned before, right? What do I work on? Mm -hmm. So push those ones, you know, collections are charged off. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Push those to the back. Um, and let's focus on the other areas first. Yeah, you know, too often what I find is, you know, somebody might have like a charge off account for $200 and they have a balance on a credit card of $250. And if they if they just list all of their debt, smallest to largest, well, then that method would tell you to pay off the $200 charged account um, right away and, and then then you would focus on the $250 credit card. But the other difference there is there's no minimum monthly payment affecting your month to month cash flow mm -hmm. on the charge off, but there is a minimum monthly payment on the credit card that is affecting your monthly budget and, and your monthly cash flow. So there really is a difference between debts and, and again, why I strongly recommend that people start to focus in on those different types of debts in different phases. 
Well, and, and, and that's an excellent point to make. And, you know, a, another thing I think people look at, well, it's on my credit report, right? It's lowering. I've got these, these, you know, accounts and collections and it's lowering my credit. And I oftentimes remind people that while that is true, also paying your active debt on time and getting those debts taken care of can help that credit score as well, right? So you don't get confused on um, just taking care of the ones that are in collections, you know, um, because you can also help your credit score by working on the active debt, making those, um, keeping current on all of your payments there also. Yep. So. Yeah. And we did an episode in the past about like what makes up a credit score. And so mm -hmm. obviously um, your ability to pay on time is a big one. And so if you have charge offs, but you also have active, like it's a kind of a mixed bag, right? So, so that mm -hmm. portion of your credit score is being affected both positively with the active stuff that you're paying on time and negatively by the, the um, charge off. But another uh, element of your credit report is your um, credit utilization rate. So if mm -hmm. you have a $500 credit card and it's maxed out, your utilization is 100 and that is negatively affecting your credit score. Mm -hmm. But if you paid that down to you know, $100, $50 or paid off, well, now your utilization rate is much, much smaller, which actually improves your credit score. But I would encourage any of our listeners who haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to how to play the credit game. Cause mm -hmm. I think you and I both agree. It's a game. It's ridiculous. You have to know the rules to play it well. Um, and one of the rules, uh, whether we addressed it in that episode or not is there's a seven-year statute of limitations on collection accounts before they have to be removed from your credit report. And so sometimes when I'm sitting down with a client and we're, we're bucketing out like what's active and what's the non-interest-bearing uh, medical debt and, and what uh, is about to be charged off or what is charged off and in, in currently in collections, well, sometimes that stuff is six years and seven months old. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, if it's six years and seven months old, <laughs> at that point, I might just advise you that we really are going to let sleeping dogs lie because that is about to go away on its own. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Hmm. hmm. I might have some different thoughts on that. Do share. <laughs> Um, for me, and you know, I talk a lot about the emotional side of finances, right? How do things make me feel? And, you know, I look at it and if we're talking specifically about, you know, kind of the, um, statute of limitations for me, you know, I, I think it would be a case by case situation, but I always have this feeling that, you know what, I incurred that debt and morally I don't want to, you know, even if it comes off the credit report, I still want to pay it. Um, because for me, that's living up to something that I agreed to do from the very beginning. And if I'm not going to follow through with that, hmm, I, it doesn't sit real well with me. Now, this is a case by case situation and, you know, this is me myself, but, um, 
And this is where I have the conversations with clients a lot of what debt really affects you emotionally, right? And you're talking, you know, active and maybe leaving some of that medical because it's not incurring um, interest, you know, on the active debt. And, you know, I, I always, always, always ask my clients, which of your debts affects you the most, which stresses you out the most. Um, and more often than not, we tackle those first, because if that's weighing you down emotionally, then I want to get, I want to get rid of it. I want to work through, right? Let's come up with a plan how we can get that out of your life and release that weight off of your shoulders because I think it makes the rest of your journey that much easier um, and, dare I say, enjoyable knowing that you don't have those weights, you know, sitting on your shoulders. So um, I very much focus on the emotional side of um, of all of this and that's kind of where I go with clients first is What's weighing you down the most? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what makes you a better coach than me. And and I don't, oh, I don't say that, um, I don't say that lightly. Cause here's the thing. I'm very procedural. I'm very like, let's write it down. Let's put it in its category and let's just dice it up and, 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 and let's just work this thing. Right. But you're absolutely right. There is an emotional component to all of this, which, you know, it should also be taken into account in, in, when they're, especially when we're talking about debt, like I know for me, it was the student loans. It's been mm. the student loans, right? It's, it's the bane of my existence. It also is the only consumer debt we have left. So it, it's not competing with anything, but <laughs> even before when it was competing, like, man, I hate these student loans and I just want to be out of them. So, um, I get that there's definitely an emotional component there. There's something that you said though about, and I'm, I have the benefit of we've done all these episodes together. So I remember what you say and, and you said this on an episode <laughs> in the past and mm. you didn't say it today, but um, what you did say about like charge off accounts or things that are about to hit the statute of limitations is that that's something that you chose to do. And so from a moral perspective, you, you kind of mm -hmm. want to own up to something that you agreed to do. But you and I have had conversations about medical debt and how that's yes. not something that you necessarily opted for. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious if, like, how how is medical debt different considering you didn't raise your hand and say, hey, I would like this procedure that's going to cost me thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but that these are, those are decisions made like out of necessity, mm -hmm. not because like you volunteered um, to kind of engage in that agreement. So I'm just curious how that plays. Right. Um, for me, I still want to pay it off because even though, even though I didn't, you know, and we've talked about this and I think, you know, we'll probably do an episode in the future, you know, more digging more because you and I have very strong opinions on, um, the medical, mm, I'll just, I'll call it the medical situation out there. The, the, the financial side of medical, um, for me, I still want to pay it off because you know what, whatever it was, it still kept me alive. Whatever that was, it still kept my son alive. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't want to get super emotional, but um, this brings up yes, yesterday, maybe my husband and I happened to be eating breakfast or whatever kind of in between errands and flipping through the channels on TV and um, Steel Magnolias came on. And, um, we are in the South, I, you know, it was first, it was fried green tomatoes. Then it was steel magnolias. Well, for those of you who have watched steel magnolias, you know, that one of the characters in there has diabetes and then she ends up dying at the end. Well, my son has type one diabetes and watching that now, cause I have not watched it, watched it since he was diagnosed. He's been diagnosed for 12 years. I haven't watched mm-hmm. it since then. And I'm bringing this up because we will do anything I will do anything. I think most people will do anything to keep their children alive. And sometimes we're put into situations where we don't have a choice. And um, I have had a lot of medical debt with my son. And, and now he's an adult and he is um, having to learn how to keep himself alive, um, how to budget in all of those expenses. Um, you know, I've had 17 surgeries on kidney stones. Mm. 17 surgeries. Um, can a kidney stone kill me? I mean, if you get real technical, yes, later on, because there's a lot of things that happen if, you know. But for me, even though it's medical and I, I absolutely hate what they charge, yeah, I'm still going to pay it off because whatever it was, it still kept me alive and it kept me here and it it, it kept me healthy. Um, so, yeah. I guess that was a really long answer to your question of, no. yeah, I'm still going to pay it off. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you taking the question and, and uh, getting vulnerable uh, with me and with our listening audience. You know, there's, there's a word that you said, and I, and I said it back to you, that I think is at the heart of this, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to get into... I, I think it could go a, a bunch of different ways, but that word is moral or mm-hmm. morality, right? You feel like you have a moral obligation. It sounds like you, you did not use those two words together, but it sounds like you have a moral obligation or feel like you have a moral obligation to pay for the things, certainly the things that you voluntarily engaged with, you know, the mm-hmm. purchase of a car or a house or, you know, for me, it's the student loans. Like, as much as I hate the student loans, I made that decision. I was stupid. So I am now paying the price for that decision, and and it burns me, but I feel like I have a moral obligation to repay the debt. Now, the reason I even bring this up, though, is you just said it. Like, with the, the medical industry, it's like, Where's their morality in all of this, mm-hmm. in, in what they charge and, and how they do these things? For me, with the student loans, it's I'm 100% fine with paying back the principal amount that I have borrowed. Like, the mm-hmm. money I borrowed, I'm glad to give that back. All of the additional interest and fees, and I understand that when you borrow money, there's interest. But the student loan complex... Is a, <laughs> is a bit interesting because when you take a forbearance and if you don't know what that is, you realize that like at the end of your forbearance, all the interest that accrued, they apply it to the principal and now they're charging interest on top of the principal plus the interest. And so it's, it's like, where's their morality in 
let's at least make this, you know, credit card companies that charge 22% interest. Where's their right. morale? So I don't want to go way down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But you, you see what I'm saying? So, like, that's why there are laws on the books that say after seven years, mm-hmm. the company gets to write it off as a bad debt, and they're going to save a bunch of money on taxes anyway. So it's like, (laughs) I I get where you're going with this, but I want to be very clear too, that just because they build me a certain amount doesn't mean that I'm going to pay that certain amount because I am fighting those dollars tooth and nail um, for what I was billed. So there's where some of the morals come back (laughs) into that. I am not going to pay $123 for an aspirin. I'm going to fight that and I'm going to push back on that. So, um, okay. Right. Um, And I want to say one more thing. You said a few minutes ago, and this is going back for a second, but you said that's why you're a better coach than I, and I'm going to, I'm going to push back. I am not a better coach than you in any form or we are different coaches and we focus. And that's the beauty of this, right? Is that I don't believe that there's anybody better or worse that we're very different. And that's why I love having these conversations with you because you are more analytical and more like, okay, here's a process. Sometimes I get so caught up in the darn emotions that the process is what kind of brings me back into, okay, Sarah, take a deep breath, right? There is a process that you can put into practice here that pull some of the emotions out of this situation, right? Because you've let emotions kind of take over. So um, I just want to say, and I will take it as a compliment, but I'm not better than you. Um, (laughs) You have way more experience. And um, I think that we work very well together and because we're very different. Yeah. No, I think we complement each other well, especially on this podcast. You know, we don't necessarily... Uh, work together with clients, although we could. Um, but uh, like in this medium, we get to mm-hmm. really balance one another. You know, you're the you're the yin to my yang because <laughs> both are important. The process and the analytical and the let's just do it. I, I've just that's just been my nature um, for forever. Is once you kind of know what works, or like if I if I hire a personal trainer. And let's say that personal trainer also offers nutrition guidance. And they're like, look, nutritionally do this and physically do this. Well, then I'm just going to do it. Like, okay, you're the expert. You have a process. I'm going to follow your process. I'm going to trust the process and all mm-hmm. that. But there is certainly an element that I often overlook, which is just the, how does this make you feel? And, and I know that sounds kind of, therapeutically cliche and I don't mean it Mm -hmm. that way, but it's like, like, how does this make you feel? Like, how do you feel when, you know, you realize that 50% of your paycheck is going to your mortgage every month? How do you feel knowing that, you know, I I have, I I have um, a couple I work with uh, currently that they refinanced the house to take money out to pay off all of the debt. And they then took the next important step, which is they haven't accrued any new debt, right? Cause sometimes mm-hmm. when you do that and when you, when you kind of refinance debt, it's like, 
yeah, but did you change the behavior? They have changed the behavior and they're not accruing new debt. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But even, even with that, even with we paid off air quotes, paid off the mm -hmm. old consumer debt and we haven't accrued any new debt. The female of the couple is like, no, like, that is consumer debt. Like, yeah, it's in our mortgage, but that is consumer debt. And, and there's still an emotional reaction mm -hmm. to the debt that they refinanced with equity in their house. So oftentimes I kind of overlook that, but I'm very mm -hmm. aware that is something to be addressed. And, mm -hmm. And I think that you hit it there too. It's, you know, kind of the behaviors, right? So I like to have somebody to kind of tell me what to do to kind of get me going. But I also want to know that I'm building these habits, right? And addressing my behavior so I can keep it long-term, not just for the meantime. I always say not for the meantime, but for the lifetime. And so mm. how did I get here, right? What behaviors did I develop? What mindset did I develop that um, got me to this point? that quite frankly, it maybe I've gotten stuck, right? Or yeah. I made these choices, but why did I make these choices? Because I want to address those so I can learn from those so I can choose something different and be more mindful going forward. Um, and I think that both of the, it works hand in hand, the behavior side of it, the emotional side and the procedural side, they work very hand in hand so we can address all of it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is why I think you and I work so well uh, mm -hmm. for our, our audience, right? Because we can have this conversation. We can talk about the importance of not only eliminating debt, but doing it in phases, but then looking at that and saying, okay, while there's a lot of great, um, there's, a, there's a, an easy pr process to follow there, right? Mm -hmm. like, let's list them in these different phases to um, also be mindful of the emotional side of it so that if there is a debt that you want to attack um, mm -hmm. earlier than what the process might say, um, because it's just a thorn in your side, well, then there's mm -hmm. that too. And, and I think it's that flexibility where there is a process, but there is some flexibility within the process is where new money habits and Sarah Jones shine in meeting people where they are. Right? Mm -hmm. We we know the debt snowball method. We know the debt avalanche method. We know the class the cash flow index method for eliminating debt. And then we added this phased approach to it. So there's a process to follow, but we are going to be super flexible within that process to help meet the needs of our clients. And I think that's what really separates us from a lot of other financial coaches. Yes. Can I like throw my hands up? And that's what I'm doing. If you're not watching, I'm like um, celebrating that because um, it's not rigid, right? That, that it is flexible. And, and, you know, I'm just going to say, you know, that it helps people be feel more in control. Like they have a choice, 
right? Sometimes I think we forget that, that we do have choices. And so by throwing some of these options out there, which is what I like to do, I don't ever tell my clients what to do. I show them a lot of options and we run through some scenarios and then they get to decide which process or, you know, what, what path they want to take. But it, it reminds us that we've got the choice right? That we really have choices that we can make in these situations. And, um, that's empowering. That's empowering to remind us that, boy, I don't have to keep going this way. I can make a different decision. That's really going to positively impact me going forward. And when people learn how to do that, mm, the reward, the payoff, the, what that does for people and clients, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest yeah. things. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's about customizing. It, at the end of the day, every single one of your clients, every single one of my clients, every single client that works with New Money Habits, they have a plan. Every single one of them. The thing it isn't is it's not the exact same yes. for everybody. It's their plan customized to their situation mm-hmm. and their financial goals to help them to achieve the things they want in the order they want. And we love to help people get better results faster. That's yes. why why have a financial coach? Because we help you to get better results faster. That's why I got a mm-hmm. personal trainer because they help me to get better results faster. But it's mm-hmm. customized. It's customized. Yes, we have all these resources, all these tools, all of this education to help, you know, inform, to educate and inform so that our clients can make informed decisions, but their plans are their own and they're customized and individualized to their situation. Absolutely. I, I, I don't even have anything to say to that other than, um, it is everybody's plan is different because everybody's life is different and everybody's situation is different. And so therefore everybody's path going forward is going to be different. Yeah. So I think that's a great way to kind of end this particular episode and kind of segue into if you're listening and you want a plan for your, your monthly income, your monthly expenses, a plan for eliminating debt, to achieve other financial goals and you want a partner who's going to help you to customize that plan, well then visit newmoneyhabits.com and click the schedule your free consultation link and start talking to a coach. Go to the show notes and schedule time directly with Sarah or myself. Um, Go to newmoneyhabits.com and also download the plethora of tools that we have, including our, uh, our budget worksheet, our um, debt elimination uh, calculator, our uh, food calculator. We have a bunch of tools and resources. And so we love to come on here, uh, talk a little bit about uh, personal finances and how to do them better and how to create new money habits. Um, but to, I, I want to encourage you to take action. Uh, mm-hmm. Visit the website, download resources, schedule time with Sarah, schedule time with myself, and uh, we will help you to customize that plan and get better results faster. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. All right. 
Well, thank you for hanging out with me again, uh, Sarah, as always. And we will continue this conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.